I'm a narrow cat, no wide flows. African descent, that's why I got the wide nose. With my kinky hair and black skin, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's in the image of a god that is beautiful and whose infinite word is immutable. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of HBCU, where we are healing brown communities unconditionally. We are taking as much information, time, energy, and strength to reach our highest potential. You are here today, um, as always, today, tomorrow, and the day after that with your host, Akima. And following Akima will be Macau. Um, or, or Akima following Macau, depending upon how, <laughs> how the day is going. Um, we know folks like to um, follow us and to keep in touch with us outside listening to the podcast. For Akima, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Princess Akima, A-K-E-E-M-A. I'm taking a cue from my host last uh, time we recorded. He uh, spelled out his name. I was like, oh, I do have one of those names that probably should be spelled out. Maybe you can't get it phonetically. So, you know, <laughs> I love my non-phonetically sounding name. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with it. And um, you, you can follow me at Macau Halim underscore wellness. Uh, Mikhail Halim is spelled M-I-K-A-L-H-A-L-I-M, one word, and that is on Instagram and Facebook. Sounds good, Mikhail. So I'm going to just tell everybody to take a deep breath with us right now because we're getting ready to talk through a topic that, um, one that we need to talk through. But, you know, when we're talking about healing and restoration. We're talking about things that impact our community. Mikhail and I both thought that this was a topic that we just, we needed to go into. And so as we venture into today's topic, um, we know that it's a sensitive subject. Um, not one that I wouldn't say you couldn't listen to with children, um, because I think children need to talk through this as well. I think children probably deal with this, teenagers and whatnot. But we wanted to talk a little bit about depression. Actually, not a little bit. We're going to talk a lot of bit about depression today. And um, we invite you into this conversation. We invite you to reach out to us. You know, we just gave you all and dropped out our social media platform. So if something resonates with you today or if you have some input on something we may have missed, hey, listen, please get at us. Um, we don't profess to know everything. We just know that we want to take some time to do our part to bring some healing um, to our communities. And so as we go into depression, and if you're trying to figure out, well, what, what kind of depression, this depression, that depression, um, I'm going to start off by reading a definition. Um, and this is from our friends over at Google, right? Um, reading a definition on depression. And then we're going to just kind of take the conversation from there. So depression is defined as a mental health disorder that is characterized by persistently depressed mood or loss of interest in activities, causing significant impairment in daily life. Possible causes can include a combination of biological, psychological, and social sources of distress. Increasingly, research suggests that these factors may cause changes in brain function, which can alter certain neural circuits in the brain. Um, the persistent feeling of sadness, a loss of interest that's categorized by major depression, can lead to a range of behavioral and physical symptoms. And these can include things like changes in your sleep, your appetite, your energy level, concentration, daily behavior, or even your own self-esteem. And this one, we definitely want to make sure that we we're going to touch on some today, but depression can also be associated with thoughts of suicide. And um, we're going to find that uh, as we talk and touch on these different subjects, we're going to find that a lot of these terms kind of intersect. So it's almost like this conversation is going to sound like a Venn diagram and where um, terms such as discomfort, um, 
Akima just said, you know, just um, lack of motivation uh, of wanting to, to do activities and to get yourself up and get going and to get things done. You're going to find that those things are, um, those things are more difficult when you enter a state of depression. Absolutely. And because we know this, this topic can be tough, you know, um, one thing I learned years and years ago, I'll say um, probably where McCall and I met in undergrad, um, hence HBCU, is that um, I actually dealt with the depression, but I didn't realize that I dealt with depression. And I think a lot of people don't even know sometimes that they're depressed um, until after the fact, because as I was reading through that definition just now, you know, you can't help but think like, do I feel that way currently? And, you know, I'm grateful. No, I don't feel that way currently. But do I think that I've ever dealt with depression? Yes. Have I ever been clinically diagnosed by a trained professional that I'm depressed? No. And not because of any other reason, except when I was feeling that way, I probably wasn't uh, driven enough or wise enough or something enough to take the time to even go figure out like, do I, am I depressed, you know? And I started thinking about, um, and not to get all like super sad on you all, but I was thinking about um, after my mother had um, passed away and how I had this season that probably lasted for like, I don't know, 60 days where I was very much not eating, not sleeping, not um, putting on like clothes and not changing my clothes for days and like you know all the behaviors that we just talked about you know like the the activities of daily living they weren't happening and so what it looked like coming out of that was great and I think now you know being older there's probably things that I would have done but I can definitely say for myself that like yeah even though I didn't have um, suicidal thoughts at that time I will definitely say that there was um, a degree of depression and I don't know how to categorize it you know you guys know I I do I, I dabble just a smidge right just a little smidge in health and wellness um, but I'm not a mental health professional so I won't say where I would have fallen because I don't know how to diagnose in that way but I can definitely say that that was a time in my own life where I dealt with depression. And um, I'll follow up with that, Akima, because, um, again, just like you, I don't have a clinical record. of I, have, I didn't go see anybody. I didn't, um, I didn't even have a definition. And I'm talking about a point in my life where um, this is way post-undergrad, um, where Akima and I met. And I'm, I'm like years, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years into my adult working life so to speak. And um, I lost the job. And I believe that was in 2010 or 11. No, it was 2011. And um, I knew that something was, was not correct with my motivation and um, my ability or inability at that time to get myself up and just to get myself in a clear enough headspace to do something constructive that was going to, you know, give me fruitful results from, from the things and the ways that I was spending my time and energy. And so what I found, um, again, I never sat and I thought to myself, you know, Macau, you're depressed, you know, <laughs> with this definition and does my symptom match this? But I felt um, a compiling of things going on that added to a condition that would lead me to, and how I was processing at the time, other destructive uh, behaviors. And, you know, I'll just kind of throw it out there. Um, there was a time, well, during this time, um, I went through a, uh, several years, actually, with bouts of alcoholism, just trying to medicate 
what it was that I really didn't know that I was dealing with or what I was going through and um, how it was affecting me and ultimately killing me. Um, and then, you know, and I think it was when I got that serious and I started using terminology that was closely related with death that I finally, you know, was able to, to say, okay, well, I've got to, A, find out what it is that we're talking about here and B, what can I do to once again, because, you know, this show is all about restoration mm-hmm. and, and the rebuilding of life and restoring life. But what can I do to get out of that space and to throw myself into a new direction? It's funny. You didn't ask me this question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I feel like what you just said to me and our listeners is like, well, what do you do and how how would you handle that? You know, I think about one of my personal, like, you know, you have words. Like when people think about Mikhail, there's certain words that they think about when they think about you. And a word that I always get and people always say, man, Kim, you always so happy. You always smiling. You're always this. You're always that. And I'm just like, man, if y'all had only seen me, you know, this is probably, this is almost 12 years ago, you would not be thinking uh, the same thing. You would definitely be like, oh, this girl is, is, she's a different creature. And so I know for me, and it's not about faking the funk, you know, because it's like, well, do you just smile through your depression? I'm not saying, I felt through it. I lived through it. And I decided to really to honor my mother's memory. Um, One of the things that I remembered about her is like her smile. And so when I think about her smile, her laughter, and I feel like my extension of love and grace towards another individual is a way for me to honor her memory. And I can tell you that that was one of the things that I used. That plus just being honest, I think the whole idea of like suffering and silence and just being in this like kind of dark, isolated kind of place, there's something about depression and isolation that just go like hand in hand. And I don't know if that's related to uh, fear or shame because there is no healing and isolation. I'm sorry. And listen, that's not the saying that you like your alone time because I like my alone time. Even my spouse knows that there's sometimes I'm like, leave me alone. I just need my alone time. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about when we have these behaviors and we have the inconsistencies with our sleep and the loss of energy and my mood is swinging and then I isolate on top of that and I feel like isolation compounds that idea because we've been created and designed to relate to one another you know to maintain um, semblances of um, in varying varying levels not symbols varying levels of relationship with other human beings but there's something about isolation that causes us to withdraw from people and I feel like that can really add to what an individual is going through. And there's, you know, I'm going to insert Dr. Frances Quest Welsing into this conversation because she goes into the psychiatry of alienation, um, anxiety, and narcissism. And the alienation um, ties closely psychologically into the word isolation that you use. And I think, um, even thinking back of how I um, looked at myself at that time, you know, Kima, that was, and then even talking to myself, it was embarrassing. Like I can tell everybody that it's, I thought that I was going through something that was shameful. I thought that there was something that I really couldn't tell anybody about because I didn't want anybody to know that about me. And it wasn't until I came out of that, well, Dr. Welsing, one, she helped me because she actually had put definitions and a history to alienation. And so once I started to understand that, I said, okay, Again, we're going from 
the destructive to the constructive. And so I made a decision that I'm going to start walking in this direction. But on that path, I discovered that, you know, there's a myth, there's a kind of a mythology to isolation and being alienated because it's not a natural condition of humanity in the way that humans connect with one another. And then I also discovered that I was nowhere near the only person feeling the same way that I felt. And so it was just like, wow, well, let me do, well, what's the shame in that? Um, you know, and, and whether we watch TV or we, you know, we see people struggling with drugs and alcohol on shows and, you know, we're growing up watching VH1, MTV. <laughs> and so you kind of see it in this kind of romanticized realm but when it becomes personal you know we're thinking about our reputation what's somebody going to think about me if they think that i you know that i woke up intoxicated this morning and did all these kind of things but but we are all in this together even in our struggles and so once we eliminate those walls of isolation and abandonment and alienation we're all going to find that we are dealing almost with, and I'm not saying that everyone is depressed, but a lot of these conditions that lead people into depression, a lot of people are dealing with those things collectively um, as individuals. And so, um, you know, Dr. Wilson, um, she attributed depression to a, of course, like we know, it's a psychological disorder but it goes a little bit further than that. And on, you know, on future shows, we'll be able to go into those things in terms of nutrition and environment. But um, yes, it came to your point. Um, isolation and, and alienation are one of those things that even worsen our state when we, we find ourselves in a state of depression. I started wondering, Michael, when you were talking, like you said, well, not that everyone's depressed. And I started thinking like, is everyone depressed? You know, like, is there, and, and I don't think it's, <laughs> hello, right? It's not that I think everyone's depressed. I definitely think everyone has the potential to be. And I think the powerful thing that is resonating during the course of this conversation, and hopefully for you all who are listening, it's resonating with you as well is, you know, we don't really know necessarily like what tomorrow's going to bring, right? Unless there's something that's revealed to us, you know, through revelation or something prophetic, you know, that we can hear, we don't know what the next day is going to bring. So I'm thinking about like, man, there's preparation that I need to do today. And so when I think about like how I, you know, I'm doing air quotes, y'all, y'all can't see my air quotes, but like, how do I deal with depression? One of the things that I'm thinking about is like, in the moments when I'm not feeling those downs, I'm not just coasting through the high in this like nonchalant, unaware that something could happen that could like, you know, rock my world. I'm also building up my body in all the ways. And we're talking about our physical body. We're talking about our emotional health. We're talking about our mental health because things can come that would knock us off of our course. And there is stability that we can anchor ourselves into and not to, um, to, to linger here, but to drive home the point of isolation is I'm thinking about, you know, how strong are your relationships right now? And if you have that whole, I can count my friends on one hand, I don't care, count your friends on one hand. If you can count them on two hands, I'm not mad at you to say that your relationships are weak, but I'm like, when you start to feel yourself going there, who is a part of your community, you know? One of the things, and you'll hear it in the title of our show, is the word community. And I mean, obviously there's levels to the depths of relationship, but when I think about like when I feel myself about to crash, 
who can I reach out to? Who can I lean upon? Because we will have those moments going back to Mikhail's point is like, not that everyone is depressed, but we all have the potential for something to come and rock our world. And I think it's important that we be building ourselves up prior to that time to the degree in which we can, so that when something comes, we're not left just without preparation. I think preparing ourselves, being the visionaries, and when we're talking about exercising a level of leadership in every part of our lives, I think this is another one that we need to be very um, intentional about. Absolutely. And, you know, I processed my own condition um, as a disease. And once I actually put the title and said, you know, this is a disease going on in my body, my mind, body, and spirit, um, I started to discover, you were kind of saying, the preparation piece. I didn't know at that time. There was things that I could do um, with my mind, with my body, my nutrition, that were going to prepare me for the things that, you know, I thought were making me feel down and I didn't, I was unmotivated to do things. And so, um, I looked into Dr. Laila Africa and, you know, he's his, the minerals and the herbs and, and into the preparation. This is something I do today. And which is why I'm bringing up Dr. Africa. I didn't realize this and I'll throw this out there, how much calcium benefited just the way we process information and our ability to stay calm and in the face of something, you know, we run into things that are unexpected every day. Somebody gets you a phone call, you were, deaths in families, job loss, all those kind of things. But how are you going to process that? And are you prepared? Are you prepared? And do you have the things going on inside of your, your mind and your body and your spirit that are going to help contribute to helping you uh, manifest and sustain uh, fruitful activity and constructive uh, constructive what's the word i'm looking for just you know not it's, it's our ability to bounce back that's what that's what i'm hearing resiliency if i could even yes yes thank word. you so much yeah like, there is a yeah. word resiliency <laughs> <laughs> and um one last i won't say last point but another point that i wanted to make um the commonalities of these conditions i'm gonna read a definition here hey listen um, we're all word. about educating here so come on read your definition there's a word that I actually heard on CNN several weeks ago. Um, it's called malaise. And I'm going to spell that for you guys. M-A-L. They don't know how to spell it, so we need you to spell <laughs> it. <laughs> it's almost, it sounds like I'm saying Malaysia, kind of. And that's kind of where it is. But uh, M-A-L-A-I-S-E. And the definition of malaise, a general feeling of discomfort, illness, or uneasiness whose exact cause is difficult to identify. And so it's just like, wow, that is so, a very wide range of symptoms. Oh, so you're telling me you don't know what's wrong with me, right? You're malaised. <laughs> and so if we could just add like a quick context that it came up and I said CNN. Now I didn't go to specifically what they were talking about on CNN. And okay. we may go into this, you know, at a later date, but I'll just, throw the subject out there. We're not going to dive into it, but they were having a conversation about COVID-19 and African-Americans. Yeah. And they said one of the most common symptoms was malaise. So why am I talking about malaise in, in the conversation about depression? Because the definition that Akima read in the very beginning of the show almost reads like the definition of malaise. Yeah. And I mean, those words are very similar. Uneasy, discomfort, 
discomfort, mo lacks motivation, can't identify what's going on. And so um, even, you know, this show is called um, Healing Brown Communities Unconditionally. And we've got a history, apparently, as I go into the details of this word malaise, when it seems when the world can't figure out what's going on with black folks. And I'm going to go as far as to say that this term has been comfortably um, attributed to black women, this malaise term. Um, what are we trying to say? What are we trying to say that, that we are, that we're going through? And um, is there something else going on around us? Because I'm looking at, Akima, you said earlier, I remember Akima when we were, I don't want to say young and spry, we're still young and spry. But Listen, I'm, I'm still spry. I'm still spry, y'all. But you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know Akima through this stretch that she had mentioned, you know, after the passing of a loved one. And um, I wouldn't have known her to have been that person. So, you know, and identifying what malaise is and what depression is and the things that lead to things even worse, like thoughts of suicide. Um, what conditions, even Akima, um, as you've come out of that, what, can, what are the, some small things that you found yourself doing daily, hourly, to get yourself through minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day? You know, it's hard not to, um, it's hard not to acknowledge that malaise. Now, listen, listeners, this is my first time learning the word too, because, you know, Mikhail, he's so educated. He's schooling all of us right now, okay? <laughs> and so I, I feel malaised at this definition. And I feel, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's so much coming so quickly that it's yes. like, you almost have to like, have I been in ninja school? Or, you know, because when the ninja stars are flying, can't I dodge it? Like this is some like Neo from the Matrix dodging Agent Smith's punches. Like what? It's either that or you get malaise. And so for me, what are some of my daily activities? You know, um, we talked about isolation before, but I want to talk about one of the benefits of some alone time and what you're doing with it. And I think this is where you change it from isolation to constructive alone time. Things like prayer, things like meditation, things like journaling, things like um, reading and not reading things that are going to continue to um, weigh you down, but reading things that are going to empower you, that are going to strengthen you. I think those are things daily that are part of my routine. Um, I'm very relational. And so shout out to my, you know, my friends that I can count on one hand. <laughs> um, I have a running joke with some of my friends. Like I got three good friends and um, because I have three people that I can be transparent with, you know, naked with, and just like, I don't have to go like put on a show. I got to do a tap dance to them. I can just be me. And that for me is very healing. It is very encouraging because you're able to just kind of sit like the world is weighing my shoulders down so I don't have to stand tall in front of you. So that's another thing that I can say that I do is that there are people that I can be transparent with. They see me on my best days. They see me on my worst days. Um, and then for me, I have to turn off um, and I'm just going to go back to my Agent Smith reference here, y'all. So y'all don't know the matrix, check it out, um, is that I have to, the things that would come at me so fast and would cause me to really to just like to fall down, I have to kind of turn my eyes from it for a second. It's not like I'm trying to ignore what's happening in the world. It's just that this is 
too much right now. And so I have to take this incrementally um, as much as I can. And I think that, you know, us being a part of the communities that we're a part of, we have to be very guarded. Um, the Bible talks about guarding um, your heart. And so I'm very guarded as it relates to certain things, because otherwise we can find ourselves in these desperate moments that could take us like from being, you know, centered and being grounded to being on this other side, like, and it can happen so quickly. And even again, for you all who are listening, you may not even think like, oh, is that me? But again, kind of, and that's why we wanted to read a definition because we're not the experts, but we wanted to let you know that if you are um, experiencing any of those symptoms, then that might be you. So now you want to be more vigilant so that you can protect yourself. I think that is something else as well. I'm very protective and those who love me are protective over me and that helps me to maintain that. So I, I would say that's to answer your question, Mikhail, something that's important. Um, we would be remiss and you guys know as we're talking about healing and health, and that's very much a big part of what McCall and I are just like, that's what we're about. That's just like a big part of who we are. When you are experiencing um, symptoms of depression, you are also going to have um, not just the the energy levels and the loss of appetite that can show up, but it can also impact your physical health. Um, and I wanted to talk about a term, um, fight or flight. And so fight or flight can be a really... Um, good thing. And so if you've heard it, you already know where I'm going. If you haven't, if this is your first time, then that's cool. Fight or flight is what happens when you're driving the car, you go across a patch of black ice, and you have to figure out in like a split second, do I brake? Do I turn the wheel? Do I let it just roll? Like in that split second decision, and everything is racing, the blood and the heart and your pulse and your mind is racing, that's fight or flight. So when you're going across black ice, that's a totally fine and healthy thing to experience and to feel. Um, it could be the situation where you're walking, something's falling out of the sky, you know, like, I don't know, a, a tree is falling because you're on a hike. I like the hike, y'all. So you're like, oh, this tree is falling. I got to <laughs> run real quick. Um, fight or flight's a good thing. What happens, and again, I love Makala, she educated all of us on a new word that we can use to identify, but when we're in these malaise situations, hopefully I'm using the right conjugation of that English major, help me out, malaise with a D, <laughs> um, I, it, can be, it can be very um, difficult if we're constantly there, then you're constantly living in fight or flight. And that is where it can be impactful to our health in a negative way, because now your immune system is going to become affected and it's not going to be working as strongly for you. And so if your immune system isn't working as strongly for you, then how can you fight infection? And so then we're talking about things like the COVID-19 and just like, so again, the compounding of all of these things. And so it's like, how do I not live in fight or flight when the whole situation is malaise? I'm not saying that we have the answers. We want to have the conversation so that you are aware and that you are mindful of what is, um, what is going on so that um, we can do better as best as, or not do better so that we can do as best as we can with the tools that we have available to us. Absolutely. And I just want to add to that um, piece, Akima, where the malaise and the connectedness and the connectivity, uh, I guess that's a better word. Let's be tangible because you guys will hear me say several times throughout these podcasts that I like to touch the water. And, you know, I like to really 
make things tangible. That's really what I mean with that. And so what Akeem is saying, and I'm not putting words in their mouth at all. I feel like you got to put words in my mouth. Let's see where this goes. You know, guys, but we've really got to, you know, as African-Americans, black and brown people, what does fight or flight look like in our daily lives? Because, you know, everything isn't the black patch of ice um, that Akeem is talking about. Um, How many of us came home after losing a job and the lights were off? And, you know, just think about literally, you expect when you hit that switch that your lights are going to come on. You're not even in the space that this is not gonna this is not gonna work for me. We expect or, these microphones to be working so we can record this podcast. I hear you. Come on. Absolutely. And it's just like, you know, my dad gave me a great example a couple of years ago. Imagine if you went to sit in the chair and the chair didn't do what it was supposed to do. You know what I mean? And just think how how the messed up your psyche your psyche would be from that point on when you went to sit in a chair each and every time after that. I mean, it would probably take you twenty years just to get comfortable. <laughs> with not looking at a chair before taking a seat. Yeah. But as um, the conditions that African-American and black and brown people have been living in in this country um, has been a permanent state of fight or flight. And just think about what a lot of our young men, in particular of, of black and brown color in the Latino community, um, African-American community, um, you know, whatever you want to say, but we get caught up in the criminal justice system. And a lot of times no one is going far back in our history to examine where these points of fight or flight and malaise have, <laughs> have compiled over time. Cause you know, just think of a dad, he walks into his house and you know, the lights are off and he's got three kids. He's going to have to do something, but, um, who knows? And he might go out and rob somebody. And I'm not saying that any of this is right. But again, it's just the, the fight or flight space that forces someone to make an abrupt decision without really thinking about what's best. Right. And, and in that, so we talked a lot, I think a lot of them, I'm a, we're going to wrap up here and we're going to kind of end on the, the flight part of this. So we're thinking about that dad, the lights are off and he goes and he robs the bank, right? Um, and again, this, we're not telling nobody to rob a bank, but what's the other side of that? He walks out of the house because he can't take it and he never comes back. Like he's just gone because he has gotten to a point where life has become too hard. Not that he doesn't love his family, his kids, his wife, but it's, it's become too much. And now we get into the um, flight and we flee and we run. And I can't help but think about how that ties back into depression because it's like, again, the things that compound that get us to that low point. If something's high up in the air and you keep putting heavy stuff on it and on it and on it, at some point it's like, it can only bear but so much weight. And so you can find yourself in these down um, places and positions. And so I think, as it relates to this particular conversation, let's be a bit more guarded. Let's be, um, and I'm not telling anyone that you can't flee situations that are rough and that are overwhelming. Cause I think that's also part of guarding yourself where it's like, you know what? This is a bit more than I can take. I can anticipate where this is going to take me. So I'm gonna hit a hard pause. or I'm gonna take that hard left. Um, but being a little bit more, um, intentional about guarding ourselves i think that's that's what i would say so if you're in the fight or flight there's no right or wrong okay if you need to flight and flee 
then you flee if that's going to help you feel more guarded and feel protected. Um, Mikhail and I both want to thank you for participating in this, um, not participate for listening to us, but hopefully it is got some stirring in your own heart and in your own minds as it relates to depression. And honestly, if any of these um, things have resonated with you, even if it's like, man, maybe that's where I am right now, or even if somewhere I've been in the past and I never really resolved it, I would say, look to your community, look to those who are a part of that network um, for you and begin to be transparent. You know, McCall, I'm so grateful for you sharing about what you dealt with in terms of alcoholism. Of course, those closest to me know how difficult um, my mother's passing and all the things that were surrounding um, her transition. And so we're talking about it because we want our communities to be healed. So until next time, thank you so much for listening to another episode of HBCU. This is Akima. And this is McCall. Peace and love, everybody.